Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, if you live in Kansas City, you know we're a very unique place. There are so many things here in Kansas City that are different from everywhere else, mainly the state line. But did you ever wonder how Kansas City actually became a city? Well, it had to do with a barroom brawl and a family from St. Louis. Well, I think one of the great conversations we can have, Diane, about our town in Kansas City is how exactly this place was created. In fact, a lot of folks will be hearing this right around the 181st anniversary of something that almost cost us Kansas City as we know it today, huh? Seriously, yeah. Kansas City almost did not come to be, so we have some people to thank for its creation. And it's a pretty cool story, the whole the whole way that this uh, dispute happened and, and how Kansas City was formed right there on the bluffs. Well, it, it always seems like things happen, people fight about things, and then ultimately the right thing, you know, kind of comes out in the wash, as they like to say. And, and it seems like the right thing kind of came out in the wash with the way that Kansas City was founded, because ultimately somebody basically tried to steal the city from, <laughs> you know, from the rightful owners yep. and keep it as their own. And we could have had a, a town that really maybe never evolved into anything at all if the right folks don't get their hands on it. That's this. absolutely true. I really believe that this one little incident and that goes to show that everything is so connected right if that one little piece wouldn't have happened in 1838 then we certainly would not be sitting in kansas city missouri today i mean and that's why when you look at the movie back to the future the space-time continuum that they talk <laughs> about in that movie really does i mean in 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 fun and in theory, it sounds ridiculous. But if you go back in time and you change one event, so many different things can happen and a trickle down effect that you don't even know about. So like one little incident that took place in 1838 and, and, and maybe had an effect on a couple of people back then. Ultimately, if it doesn't get fixed and doesn't get righted, maybe we're not sitting here today talking about Kansas City, Missouri and Kansas City, Kansas. Absolutely. And I think it, the, even the, the beginnings of Kansas City starts a little bit earlier than this land dispute in 1838. And so we just going to kind of go backwards here just for a minute. And um, Francois Choteau came to the Kansas City area. And of course, it was, you know, there was nothing going on here. Um, he was with his wife, Berenice, which is a great story because he takes her on, you know, on a flatboat up the Missouri River and essentially on their honeymoon. Yeah, I saw that Isn't in that your romantic? article, like a, a romantic wow. honeymoon cruise up the Missouri yeah, River going like... opposite of the current. Do you yeah. think she had a paddle or did he do all the paddle? <laughs> I, I would hope to God that he at least did some of that work because, you know, at that point, I think she even was probably pregnant with her first kid. <laughs> um, yeah, honeymoon in 1819. They, they're looking for a place to put a trading post on this side of the state. Mm -hmm. And um, Francois' history, which is, I always like to, we always have a little battle between St. Louis and Kansas City. Sure. And in, I gotta admit that uh, Chotos really were the founders of St. Louis. So the uncle of Francois was the one who actually founded St. Louis. So they have a pretty good trading um, or a pretty good record, um, needless to state. 
So he comes back in 1821. He builds a log cabin um, at the convergence of the Kaw and the Missouri Rivers, literally just as a trading post. And people followed him. This was because they could see, wouldn't it be easier to outfit people? Wouldn't it be easier to trade with the Native Americans on the western side versus at St. Louis? So this was just building their commerce. So about two dozen French Catholic families, um, French Canadian Catholic families, um, follow the Chotos. And one of them was uh, Gabriel Prudhomme. And um, I just love his name anyway, mm-hmm. Prudhomme. And most Kansasinians, we've heard of Shoto Traffic Way and, and, and all of this. And in St. Louis, you see the Shoto Shoto's name. Shoto's everywhere. Everywhere, there, yeah. right. But in but here in Kansas City, you don't see anything Prudhomme-based, which kind of, you know, irks me a little bit because we just haven't really... If, if, if what happened to him wouldn't have happened, we would not be standing here or sitting here today. So... The Native Americans nicknamed the area Shoto's Town. They start building up this whole area. And by 1825, these these um, families have moved in. And by 1826, about where Truce Avenue is today, if Truce would to like just legit go right into the water, is about where the trading post for the Shoto's was. But but the uh, the French Catholic families, for the most part, were settled in the West Bottoms. So as land was starting to go up for sale, um, Gabriel Prudhomme, who was born in about 1790. He and his wife, Josephine, he's a, he's a blacksmith by trade. He purchases around 257 acres, and this land would have been from the bluffs, so the riverfront, to Independence Avenue. So it's pretty short and skinny. That's mm-hmm. about 5th Street, you know? And then over to Broadway to Holmes Street. So this is 257 acres. He um, operated a little town tavern, so I like him. And he also had a ferry boat crossing because there was a rocky part, which would now later become known as Westport Landing, where um, they could uh, do a ferry boat across the, the Missouri River. So this is the land. This is it. And, and unfortunately for my buddy Gabriel, he had a little bit of a problem. His wife was pregnant. They had six kids already. His wife's pregnant. And he dies in a barroom brawl. I don't know who he pissed off, but something happened. And the locals, he, he was gone. He was a young guy. So then you have your land, of course, at this point, your land's going to go into probate. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a will, so that, of course, drags things out. So it takes about five years. And you can imagine now this woman is a widow with seven kids waiting for this land settlement. She needs the money. Yeah. So they get this guy named James Hyatt McGee, which, of course, McGee Street, um, very, uh, really one of the first uh, um, settlers of the area. He came in about 1828 from Kentucky. He actually is the first one to bring slaves to uh, this area as well. So there's the slave connection, of course. So he's actually kind of appointed to be the trustee of the state, the estate. And so it's got to go into, you know, they've got to uh, advertise the land. They have to say, you know, hey, does anybody owe any money? There's all these laws that you have to do. And essentially, they put two ads in the newspaper, real small ads, because I don't think there was ever any intention to have this sale go through at a high price. Mm-hmm. So two ads, one in St. Louis and one in Liberty, saying, hey, we're going to sell off this land. So on July 7th, 1838, McGee cries the sale. He doesn't even hire someone to do it, him, like which would be kind of a, a little bit against the law. He cries the sale, and the bid starts at $1,800. And the story goes that the only person standing there was Abraham Fonda and probably Fry McGee, which, isn't that a great name? Fry, Fry McGee is a good one. Fry, Fry. Yeah, I like that. I like that name a lot. It's a great name. And so they get the land for 1800 bucks. 1800 bucks. Now, And then everybody goes crazy and loses their legit, mind. Goes, Wait a second please, here. Yeah, because Abraham Fonda, this guy who didn't, he kind of traveled through the area, but he wasn't really, a, uh, he ends up moving to Kentucky later. I think he was kind of mad at Kansas City. 
Um, Abraham Fonda ends up buying the land, but he's underwritten by Fry McGee because he didn't even have enough money. So this just looks pretty shady. Mm-hmm. So is that where the shady lady comes sh- from? Then? Maybe, maybe was that was so the name shady. of the bar. Could've we been. don't know. That's maybe we don't where, know the name of Prudhomme's bar. Huh? It was probably just the bar, the, the bar. saloon, because yeah. I mean there was no competition. You know, at that time there. Yeah, so oh, yeah. P- people were pretty ma- uh, pretty angry about this because um, there are people that see that can that what will become Kansas City. This is a th- there can be a real town here, even though it was on the bluffs. One of those would be, of course, uh, John Calvin McCoy. So he's part of this group. He goes to Independence, Missouri. That's where the courthouse is. You know, we're unique for having two courthouses Mm -hmm. anyway. They go and they say that this was, uh, McGee was unfit to actually be able to be the one to cry this sale. And it actually ends up being null and void. Well, I'm sure the widow's just like, come on. Like, she just needs the money. But 1800 bucks was like a steal. Yeah, what was 1800 bucks valued back then, oh, like in today's dollars? It would be hard think? to, it's really hard to figure out that far back what the value would be. But you're still looking at um, probably no more than $20,000. Okay, so and very cheap. 257 though. acres. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, really cheap. So there is a new sale order to be come through. And this is November 14th, 1838. And, and I love this. And it's, it's a, it's a great story because you could just imagine it's a wilderness, you know, and they're sitting, they got the ferry board crossing, I guess a grocery store, Shoto's trading post and a couple businesses, probably blacksmith shops. But in general, the area is just a vast wilderness. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're sitting at one eyed Ellis's cabin. I don't know who One-Eyed Ellis is, but I'm dying to find out exactly who he was. He obviously had one eye, mm-hmm. and he had a cabin at the foot of Main Street overlooking the bluffs. They meet there. It's real cold out, so they've got a big fire going. And the 14 men who had organized themselves as the town company um, sit down, and essentially the sheriff is going to call this sale. They call for it, and they win the land. And it was it was a, a thank God they did. So for just over uh, $4,200 is how much they end up paying. So that's quite a bit of a different 3000 in a sure. very short amount of time. So the so, widow, the widow McGee or widow Prudhomme gets more Prudhomme, money. Yeah. Right. So she gets what she needs, which yeah. is great. So this this town company, some of the names that you see are going to sound very familiar to, to Kansas City. Um, of course, I think it's ironic that. Part of this was you had William Gillis and Gillis House was a big, sure. you know, uh, hotel and, and business on the the, uh, the levee later. William Sublet, you've got uh, John Calvin McCoy, of course. Um, some other names that would be familiar to Kansas City history is William Chick. He was also uh, very uh, foundational in Kansas City. And then I love the fact that Abraham Fonda is there. I don't think it, nobody liked him. I can tell you that. Like there, there was some bad blood with Ab- I think he was a, a little... Uh, um, cocky, we'll say. Mm-hmm. And then Fry McGee's there too. So Fry is actually back into the mix. And these are the 14 original founders of Kansas City. So then, of course, you have to, okay, we're going to form this town company. Obviously, we want a town here. So now we have to name our town. Interesting stuff here. Well, and, and what I find interesting, and, and, and we went through so much there, is that mm-hmm. like the, the 14 founding members of, of Kansas City, except for Prudhomme, and I, I consider him one of the founders right. of Kansas City mm-hmm. because it was his land originally, everybody's got a bar or a restaurant named after them. Why has Prudhomme yes. been so kind of stricken from the record when he was one of the original people here that had the land that ultimately gave us the start for what Kansas City, Missouri is today? I wish that I could say that Kansas City has been really good at some pieces of the history of the area and been very, very bad about other pieces of the history. I would love to go back in time and ask, like, McCoy, who platted our streets, why wasn't there a Prudhomme Street? Mm -hmm. Um, There were definitely named streets for other people. Um, Or why there isn't a business today or a park even. Give me a park. 
Like Prudhomme Park. Yeah, that sounds good. Take me good. to PP. Do you, you know? do you think, uh, sometimes I got to have people do me that too, especially after a long Saturday night. Do, <laughs> do you think like the widow may have rubbed people the wrong way or pissed people off or got to the point where she was like just not bearable and everybody just wanted just to be done with her because the sale took so long so she was getting antsy and angry about not getting the money? I actually don't think that would probably be the case. Only because, you, or was he just a total jerk the, to everybody too when maybe. all this was going on? Everybody's like, "Screw you, pal!" When you're done here, there's no bar named after you. <laughs> we are not going to name anything after you. Yeah, which is interesting because actually, the prune you would think that you lost your wife, or you excuse me, you lost your husband, and you're you're a widow, and you know, first of all, you would expect that she would have remarried, right? And that would have been a really smart move, as one of these singles guys that were part of that 14 original town company wouldn't have married her. Mm-hmm. Probably could have kept the land, but. She actually did stay in the area. I find this really interesting. And there was even a dispute in the 1920s about some of the land maybe not being sold correctly and that the Prude homes, actually, some of the kids went after. They didn't win any money, but they went after the the Gillis is one of them. They went after to try to say part of this should belong to us. But I think it's interesting that she did stick around and kind of Berenice Choteau back to, to the, uh, you know, Francis or Francois, however you want to call him. Um, Berenice, she was a widow by the time, um, you know, the town starts to develop. And instead of moving back to St. Louis, where they were from, instead of moving back, she stayed in Kansas City. I mean, she was diehard. They called her the mother of Kansas City, Berenice Choteau. She was, uh, she didn't die till 1888, but, um, her husband died, you know, much earlier. There were quite a few founders that died within a very short amount of time that kind of mixes up Kansas City history also. But I think probably what happened is that I think it's interesting to bring up that Josephine Prudhomme's wife um, did not leave Kansas City. Um, could have been for a lot of different reasons, but her children, all uh, as far as I know, for the most part, stayed in Kansas City. And one of her daughters actually married uh, married the third mayor of Kansas City. So they stayed within the echelon of society. It's just they, you know, for whatever the reason, Prudhomme kind of dropped off the map. Mm-hmm. I wish there was a Prudhomme something. I think it'd be nice. I mean, we have a Port Fonda something. Well, we I know, can talk about that we, with we, the naming we, of the we, city. We can get into that in just a minute. But what what happens if if like the original Fry McGee and and Fonda alone mm-hmm. get that land? What do you think happens at that point in time if they don't reopen it and get twelve other people involved into this whole thing? I think there would have been a town. I just don't think it would have developed it the way it it did. Because I we we can tell because of McGee's the McGee's and we'll we'll be doing a whole thing on them too. The McGee's were really instrumental in taking Fry, or Fry McGee's father James Hyatt. He actually owned a thousand acres in the heart of Kansas City. We're talking where the crossroads is all the way over to a, kind of the Quality Hill area. He owned Southwest Boulevard. I mean, their family cemetery was right off Southwest Boulevard. Hmm. It's not the, hopefully not there anymore. But regardless, they. This whole this whole idea of of building up into a city, I think they knew that there was a possibility because of that riverfront traffic. They knew there was a possibility. Would it have developed the way it did? Fry was successful at developing some of Kansas City, but not without the help of people like John McCoy. Mm-hmm. And I think if McCoy wouldn't have been in the picture, and he was, of course, the founder of Westport. He's one of the original founders of Kansas City. There's no McCoy Street anymore. There used to be. Um but McCoy was such an instrumental part of this development that if he wouldn't have been a part of it, I don't think we'd be sitting here right now. All right. So let's look at um, the Prude home and, right. 
and his death, if if he's not like back in the day, everybody's just handling their own business. If I didn't like you, we met at the saloon and we shot each other like a free for all or something. That's what they we call, call vigilante it, justice. Yeah, vigilante frontier. justice, frontier mm-hmm. justice, all that kind of stuff. What if he never dies in that barroom brawl? How does that change the course of where Kansas City is? Like, did he have a vision to grow it and to become a big town like this, or did, did his death really kind of snowball the development of what is Kansas City today? Not that we want to be happy someone died in a brawl or whatever, but. I don't think we'd be here, honestly. I don't think that he had the intention of developing. He was a blacksmith by trade. He had a grocery store and a tavern. Mm -hmm. You know, he was operating, you know, I mean, obviously with some enterprise, but not with the vision of what what would happen if I cut these bluffs and and built us. I don't think that would have ever happened. So, no, I don't think it would have happened there. Do I think McCoy would have developed something else? Could Westport have become like a larger spot than it? Because it kind of got absorbed by Kansas City eventually. But could it have been maybe a little bit larger? But you got to remember, then we wouldn't have Westport Landing had right. he not passed. Well, I, I think like my, my biggest question, I guess, with the whole Westport thing is, would Westport have been able to stand on its own without the access to the river? Because it seems like every town back then when we started to build cities developed because right. there was the river or the confluence of two rivers or three rivers or whatever the case may be for transportation and travel and trade and all of that. Mm-hmm. If we don't have the access to there, because Westport is landlocked. I mean, if we don't have right. access to that river, does Westport have an opportunity to grow and prosper like that? Um, it would have still been a trade a trade spot because you you had the riverboat traffic at Blue Mills Landing and Independence. So Independence was the original outfitter. And then as, of course, because of Westport Landing being further down, that would have been the smarter place to drop yourself off. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of interesting, you know, what ifs here, but... Westport still probably could have developed had he seen the vision, but the only reason he saw the vision really for Westport in the first place was because of Westport landing and the fact that you could land those, those river, the river boats right there in front and then take a three mile journey straight south and then do your last mit of outfitting and then head out into, you know, the wilderness, which would be essentially Kansas territory, which wasn't even a territory at the time. It was just the wild west. So it's hard to know if if each event, I mean, each event definitely parallels each other, how that would have developed or how how things would have changed. And I, your guess is as good as mine. I'd like to believe that maybe something would have been there, but not what, I mean, we wouldn't be a metropolis. There's no way. What? Why Westport so far away from the river? Why was that established where it, where it is? Part of it had to do with the location of a couple different entities. I mean, he, first of all, you could get land cheap out that direction. So, so that, that was going the, out south back in the day. Yeah, that, right? was, yeah. that was like, <laughs> that was moving like, to Cass County. Yeah, what? that's Miami County back then, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so I mean, cost of, of that. And the fact that he also knew, and, and because Isaac McCoy, which is John McCoy's father, was um is was an instrumental part of surveying lands with the Native Americans. They had relationships with Native American tribes as well. So the location had a lot to do with all the commerce that was going on. Mm-hmm. And just over, and we talked about this before, just over into Kansas Territory, eventually you do have missionaries that are stationed as well. And they're stationing themselves pretty pretty conveniently on the Santa Fe Trail. So the Santa Fe Trail is going to be going through no matter what, and there will be outfitting Bots along the way. It's just a question of where that's going to be. McCoy made sure that he platted. Nobody wanted, he had to practically give away lots to start out with. Like nobody wanted anything to do with this. Like 
this is real far. Yeah, I mean, right. three miles is like well, no that's what joke. I was say, three miles back then is like because you're basically on foot or horseback. I right. mean, what what's that in today's terms? I mean, oh. is that like build like let's just say Lock Lloyd today from downtown? Would that be kind of like the distance? Oh, it'd be. I think even further even than that. Even further than because that. then you're talking about the conditions of roads. Right. I mean, you're not looking at you know we don't have paved highways at this point. Um, it, you know, a washout would would destroy travel. Mm-hmm. There's just too many. It would have been an all day thing, but. If you just traveled that, you know, six or so miles from Independence where or Blue Mills Landing, essentially where Independence was outfitting, right? And you take that six miles off your journey, you're talking about a two, you know, a, probably a day and a half just by s- stopping at Westport Landing instead. I mean, Independence was not thrilled when they were like, oh, great. Look at this Westport thing happening over here. Mm-hmm. They they weren't proponents. And, and there were a lot of arguments back and forth. Westport was a big time, you know, most of the people that settled in Westport did own slaves. Um, and then a lot of those same guys, we, I, I preface this because Westport is older than Kansas City. We, we wouldn't have that. They, they're such a hand in hand operation. The people that, the people that purchased the town company were Westport merchants. I mean, they were the ones who, who dug in because they knew that, I mean, I, I don't think they ever envisioned a city being so large that Westport is Kansas City now. Right. I mean, there would be no way. I mean, that's like New York City size to them. Mm-hmm. And and 90, I'm sure most of them have never been to New York City either. So I think that to to have that overall vision, and we, we owe a lot of this, and I mean a lot of it, to John McCoy. And I wish it was, the, you know, poor restaurant's not there. Yeah, we were talking yeah, yeah. About no restaurant for McCoy anymore, and... And he doesn't have a street anymore. I wish I wish there was more. There is a statue, of course, in um, the Westport area, um, and it's Pioneer Park, I believe, mm-hmm. that has McCoy and it has Jim Bridgers, a mountain man, um, and then also uh, uh, who is it? Al- Alexander Majors is the other one. Wow, well, I feel like I'm being quizzed. Yeah, no Ooh. kidding. I'm not quizzing you. We're just <laughs> talking. But it seems like, as you mentioned, McCoy no longer has the restaurant, doesn't have the street anymore. Yeah. But we've done a really remarkable job. On the Missouri side, anyway. I mean, I don't know anybody named 119th in college, so I can't tell you who they're named after. But we've done a remarkable job on the Missouri side of preserving the history of, you know, the names of the people, except Prudhomme, who who came here and, yeah. and founded the town. Even Fonda has a Port Fonda. And I don't think anybody, like, to me, when I was first reading your, your blog about that, I went, oh, so that's where they got Port Fonda from. I just thought it was a fun, you know, fun name, from, fun name for a restaurant. And Little do you know, it has that historical background. So going around Kansas City, what are some of the other things from restaurants to bars to maybe even streets that you see that have historical meanings that maybe none of us really know are historical meanings? And that's true. And it, it, kind of on the Port Fonda front, because we, we skipped a little bit over this, Port Fonda was the name that Abraham Fonda suggested to be the name of Kansas City. Right. Like, hey, I got an idea. Port Fonda. He's the only one who threw his own name but in the But Prudhomme mix. Town was kind of, a, was thrown out there, there was, in Choteau there was, Village or something like Choteau's that. Choteau's Town is what they always called it anyway. Right. Um, but Possum Trot came up. Well, Some that was of a these, stupid name. Why does that one always seemingly come up when people talk about what Kansas City could have been called? Because when we complain about Kansas City, and there's two Kansas Cities, I right. think it's like the, well, we could have been Possum Trot. Could have been Trot. Possum Trot, right. <laughs> well, we could have been Port Fonda, too. Could have been Port Fonda, uh, the, the the whole company shot that idea down really quick. Rabbitville was brought up. I want to mention that when they were talking about the town company, I think it was always it was the town of Kansas was mm-hmm. the original name, um, and it didn't become Kansas City until 1880 actually. And um, even John McCoy later in in his life, when he was still alive, was joking around about how when Kansas City Kansas was created, he was like, "Well, this is not going to be good. Yeah, like this is messing with our name." That he actually kind of jokingly petitioned the Kansas City Star, "Hey, you know what?" 
you know, I'm going to start just writing my address as Point, uh, Port Fonda. Like he, he jokingly said we should go back to that name. I, I think a lot of these names were a joke in the first place is my point. I think they kind of always knew it would probably be, uh, they talked about Cosmouth as another one, which would make sense because yeah, sure. of the area. So, so a lot of those names are, um, a lot of people take them very seriously. I think a lot of it was, um, a bunch of dudes sitting around drinking whiskey, yeah. buying some land and joking around. And joking around. So why did they land on the town of Kansas when you were in Missouri? Is it strictly because of the river? It's the river. It's the, it's the Kansas Indians for, for, um, and the spelling early on is always kind of messed pisses up. pisses people well. off now today. Like in yeah. Missouri, well, I remember named after Kansas. Well, know. and that's absolutely not 100% false. And right. I know I'm, I'm from the Missouri side, the good side, but, mm-hmm. um, Ain't the, whatever. So, so even though, like, yeah, Kansas City was Kansas City, or the city of Kansas, the town of Kansas existed before Kansas territory was even named. It was an unnamed, unowned, Reservation. So Kansas, the state, was essentially named after the city. You could or say. the Indians, or, or, or the however Indians, you want right, to say it. However you want to say it. Yeah. So, so we were here first. I'm going to say it a hundred right. times. We win this battle. Okay. Kansas City was named before, or the town of Kansas was named before you had Kansas Territory. Kansas Territory doesn't happen until 1854. Mm-hmm. We're in 1838. So we win on this one for okay. sure by like almost a teenager. Yeah, no win, kidding, you know? right? But like when it comes to these names, like you brought up, we used to have McCoy's Public House, and we and there are some good things that we have named. Of course, we talked about McGee, and mm-hmm. a lot of these old streets. Troost, of course, was named after Benoit Troost, who was um, the first physician in Kansas City. Um, but there, some of these names kind of absorbed into some landmarks, like Gillis, Gillis House. He eventually his his uh, niece inherited all of his loads of money. And, and started Gillis Opera House. So there were a lot of things in Kansas City, unfortunately, that don't exist anymore because we do like to tear a lot of stuff down. Mm-hmm. But there are a few things that stand. Um, a couple of things would be like Coates House, you know, um, Coates House was, uh, start, said a founding was always a hotel in the spot, um, by Kersey Coates. And, um, it was originally called the Broadway Hotel. And the hotel has been on that spot since 1858 at 10th and Broadway. He's, Kersey Coates is the one who developed Quality Hill. Okay. So, so that's kind of cool. Um, there was a huge fire. The worst fire in Kansas City history happened at that actual that actual building, but they have restored it to its um its part of the National Register. Another one would be Webster House. You know the restaurant. Okay, Webster House is in Webster School, and Webster School is um at Seventeenth and Wyandotte, and it was in operation from eighteen eighty six to nineteen thirty three. Um, and then, of course, kind of stand dilapidated. And then thank God that these people came in and said, hey, let's put a cool restaurant here yeah. and, and and kept the name. And I think we in Kansas City, I, here we go again. I think we in Kansas City have to watch out when we do rename things because it does lose its uh, provenance in our history. Um, there's so many things being built that are new that can have a name as well. Right. Sure. You know, I mean, that's just my my but the Port Fonda one really hit me like strong. Like right. wow, somebody did a mm-hmm. great job of research to find yeah. that name. Like mm-hmm. you, you just don't think about that kind of stuff and what it takes to name a restaurant or a or a street or a uh, you know a hotel or a bar or something like that. Yeah. Somebody must have been a, hif- a history buff or something or, or did yeah. some research. Like what would be something cool that we could bring back and and you know maybe slowly educate people about like how I came up how they come up with the name mm-hmm. um, I really appreciate that and it's a great restaurant that that they have given homage I mean even though it's to Abraham Fonda who almost messed this whole thing up but sure. you know but which I think paying, is funny paying like so, sort of tribute to the past and people right? that kind of mm-hmm. help get this city started to where we are and so I think when you walk around town and you look at things you go why is it called that maybe there's a reason why a place is called that and a really good historical reason as to why this place is called that and I think that's uh, 
absolutely true. And, and I get a little angry sometimes because I see things like parks and parks are such an easy thing to name. Um, and then to pay homage to maybe who originally owned something. And I see like Van Brunt Park is getting, you know, the city's getting rid of it. I mean, we have, they don't even, they can't take care of what they have. Um, and then we see some of the things I, I laugh because, um, I've done a lot of research, of course, in the South Kansas City area. And there's a park that we used to hang out with, um, or hang out at when we were kids and also when we shouldn't have been hanging out when we were teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was always called, we called it MIG. It's Migliazzo Park. It's, sits on land that was owned by Marcus Gill. And there's a whole cool history about that. And so I always joke that it should be Gill Park, but you know, it's MIG because it's named after some guy who, you know, was on the parks board. I'm like, all right. I mean, no offense to the Migliazzo family, but you know, I, I wish that we could pay homage. You can be Gill Migliazzo Park or something. I, I don't like losing history when we can, we can tell the story right there on the land. It's so easy to put up a marker. It costs money, yes, but to, to tell people about Kansas City's history. Well, and I think also, too, what we learned from this episode is that the, the rivalry with St. Louis literally goes back to day one of the founding of this it's, town. It's true. It's like who owns the Shotos. I mean, St. Louis had them first, but thank God they came this direction. And they ultimately founded Kansas City. Yep. Got to love Shoto's town. We're, we're still a part of it. So is did they make the right term with the, the choice with the name, calling it the town of Kansas then? I, I think so. I wish that, you know, your your side of the state, as in Kansas, would have been more creative and come up with something different. I've never really looked into it. And I'm sure it's, I've never seen anybody say anything else but Kansas territory. Mm-hmm. But I, I wonder if somewhere deep in some manuscript somewhere there isn't like, you know, the checklist of should we call it this? Should we call it this? It was always just Kansas territory. I think just because of the settlement of the Kansas Indians, which were one of many tribes that were in the area were there any are there any prude homes still around the kansas city area they like they get mad that we're not giving them credit for their uh their town good point a lot of those prude homes married into other um you know well-known french catholic families and, and even prude homes grave on the side he was buried at the catholic cemetery which was um would be right where the cathedral is now and they dug up all those bodies and almost moved all the pieces that's a whole other story but um, to St. Mary's Cemetery and Prudhomme's grave. We, they don't know where it really is. So there's, yeah, I know. It's just wow. like he could be still under a parking lot somewhere. We don't know. I mean, talk about really, really screwing that one up. But the, a lot but of wouldn't these. Wouldn't it be fitting if he's like buried under a parking lot right in the heart of Kansas City? Though? And he's just like flipping us off yeah. underground. Yeah. I, maybe. Like, I, mean... <laughs> I think that would be fitting if he was buried right in the center of town. You know, underneath a parking lot to say, hey, look, I'm still here and you yeah. can't take this away you from You can't me. take this. Yeah, this is my land. I, I do think it's interesting. The whole family, um, most of these, they did stay in the area and they married into other families, as I said before. I, I was contacted not too long ago by a lady who was related to Gabriel Prudhomme and um, really wanted to know more about her own family's history. It's the first, and that's what's so great, the the more, the bigger this gets, is that it's nice to have people reaching out to me versus me, like, stalking people, trying to get them to respond to me. Like, please answer my questions. Um, but she reached out because she's like, you know, I think it's really cool that, you know, I, I had no idea that my family has such deep-rooted connections in Kansas City. I'm like, sorry that your great-whatever-grandfather died, but thank God he did, or we would not be here. I hope you enjoyed our look about how Kansas City became an actual city. And you always wonder and go back to that movie, Back to the Future, if you messed around with the space-time continuum, where would we be today? What if that barroom brawl never happened? What if they named the city Port Fonda or we were sitting in Possum Trot? Who knows what Kansas City would have been like had we not regrouped and did the right thing almost 185 years ago.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.